Brothers and sisters, welcome back to the XX Mormon podcast. Uh, today, uh, I am Elder Jackson, just today. Um, tomorrow, I'm, I'll be somebody else. I do this cosplay thing that I, that I do. I don't know what I'm talking about. But up on the stand here with me, we've got <laughs> Bishop Jensen. And coming in after after quite a while of not recording with Bishop Jensen and I is Counselor Davis. Welcome back, Counselor Davis. Hello, thank you for uh, having me again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you for, for joining us. Thank you for bringing the blessings from the stake with you. And um, yeah, Bishop, any any special uh, announcements or things you want to say? And then maybe introduce the, the topic before we turn the time over to the stake. Sure. So first off, I think the thing that has kept this podcast going is my personal vanity. And it's the reviews we keep getting that where people say, Specifically, I like this podcast way more than Mormon stories. <laughs> so if you like what you're hearing, either leave us a review telling us how much you like, how much more you like us in Mormon stories, or send us an email to unmormon.com. Unmormon at gmail.com. Sorry. There we go. Um, so today we're going to talk about goal setting. I just have a quick personal anecdote about goal setting. A couple of days ago, I had a conversation with uh, sister Jensen. And I, I just said, honey, when we got married, like the church laid out meaningful goals for us for the rest of our life. Really. We get married in the temple then we have kids, we raise mm -hmm. them, we make them make sure they go through the youth programs. Then we make sure they go on missions and we make sure they get married. And then by the time that's all sorted out, we go on our own missions and then we serve in the temple and do family history until we die. And then like our life is mapped out and we've got all these meaningful things to work towards and look towards. And I, I just said, you know what, after we left the church, I feel like we've just kind of been coasting. And so I just want to ask you, like, what do you want out of life now? And what's the big goal now? And we ended up having what I thought was probably one of the better conversations we've had since we were married. First, when I said that, she just kind of looked at me like with deer in the headlights, kind of like, oh, like we've never had a real conversation about this before. Because we were always just going along with the Mormon plan, right? Mm -hmm. But I think we just, like, we had a really, really good conversation about things we want to work towards and things we want to accomplish. And um, I just, like, I felt really, really good about that. So I think when you leave the church, finding new meaningful goals and life events to work towards is a way you can reestablish meaning in your life. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's mm -hmm. a process we all go, go through. Uh, now, I understand Counselor Davis has prepared... A whole, a whole talk on this, a whole uh, Sunday school <laughs> lesson <laughs> on on goal setting. So, what are what are some of your thoughts, Counselor Davis? Uh, thanks, Elder Jackson. So, when Bishop Jensen had said that this would be the topic for this fifth Sunday presentation, I got excited because while I was in the church, I was a huge goal setter. Mm -hmm. I I love September because it's this renewal, new school year. It's like, it's not the, you know, not new years. It's, it's, but it's the start of a, you know, a new year to a certain degree, uh, a new period. So I always loved September. And then I started thinking about the goals that I had in the church and then, you know, post Mormonism as well. And I had this, as soon as I left the church, I had this issue that most of the things that the church promised were after this life, there was this mm -hmm. deferral. 
you know, you talk about milestones and goals and, and we're told that this is the plan of happiness and that as we follow the plan of salvation, we should be able to hit these milestones and increase our happiness along the way. And I don't know if that was the case. It was like, okay, now you've done this and this is your next goal. And it's like, there was never this, okay, just sit and be present and enjoy the happiness that you have right now. It was always forward thinking, which can be good for, you know, a type personalities that like to do, 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 do. But for the rest of us, it's kind of hard. Like, okay, well, I've just hit this goal. I've just been married in the temple. There should be this new found happiness. And I don't know if I experienced that. And, you know, I even thought about in the Book of Mormon, you know, the same spirit that we have now will be the same one that we possess in the afterlife. And, hmm. and then I remember at one point in the margins I wrote in that scripture, like, hey, if I'm not happy before I'm married, I'm not going to be happy after I'm married. Hmm. And so these these milestones are not the trigger for happiness. They are things to reach for, but they're not, it's not going to be a switch. So thinking about that, I was like, okay, so there's this deferral in, in, in church. And since leaving the church, I've really fought against any of this, you know, waiting for happiness in the afterlife, but like getting to it now, like being present, really enjoying now. And so I really, you know, I've been, well, since my last, episode with you fine gentlemen i have gone through this kind of this transition this unpacking of mormonism the expectations that it has had on my life the way that it's skewed how i do things how i interact and it's been really good to kind of put that behind me to a certain degree obviously there's a lot of programming that still is going on but this coach i worked with she just invited me to be present like stop looking for external triggers for happiness and just like be present so I'll get into that a little bit later on. Um, I'm kind of hogging the show at this point. Please interject. Um, I I have now interjected. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Are you satisfied so, there? Yeah, <laughs> quite, quite. Every time so, the high councilman comes, he's always full of hot air. So we're like, we're keeping the Mormon tradition. <laughs> let me, let me. Not that my, the bishop uh, is much wisdom. different, right? Not that the bishop is much different. <laughs> I finally have this audience that has to listen to me. So I'm going to take full advantage. So back in 2009, so I dug out my journal thinking about goals and like, literally this is a journal from, you know, before I met my wife, before we got married and back on July 6th, 2009, there was a speaker that came in to speak to the YSA. I think it was a combined meeting and you know, talking about what they wanted out of life. And then they, um, I can't remember who the speaker was, but they challenged us to write a hundred goals down. Hmm. Uh, Bishop Jensen, did you do this? Do you remember this at all? No, no, I don't. I probably wrote down like a thousand goals and then burned myself out. And, uh, (laughs) but I don't remember this. So maybe I blacked it out. So I wrote, I wrote, 65 goals and kind of stopped Mm -hmm. and the girl at the time that i was dating i said hey are you gonna do this 100 goals and she just laughed at me and thought it was the stupidest thing ever so Mm -hmm. needless to say we didn't talk about anything goal related (laughs) (laughs) but when but when i met my wife she had attended the same meeting and she had written down her 100 goals And then when she looked at mine, she said, well, you still need to write 35 more goals. And so I wrote them. And then that very next Christmas after we were married, she got those goals put on these big like 
two foot by three feet posters <laughs> and you know we have them framed uh, we don't hang them now because a lot of them are mormon related and i can share some of the goals uh, with you guys but we we were we were kind of connecting on the fact that we had goals for ourselves. And like I said, a lot of them were LDS related or Mormon related, but a lot of them were not. And some of them included like living and working overseas for two years, you know, doing a triathlon, running some marathons. And then I have some baptize a neighbor, memorize a thousand scriptures, travel to Africa multiple times, read a biography or autobiography every year stop biting my nails. And so some of them were like really practical and some of them were motivating mm -hmm. and some of them were just the milestones that we, you know, we reach for in, in Mormonism. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that, that my, that sister Davis and I really connected on is that we had goals kind of independent of ourselves and independent of the church. And so when we left the church, we pulled out this list again and a lot of the, the goals that we had that were not church related were still something were things that we wanted to chase after. Mm -hmm. um, she shared her hundred goals with her young women when she was the young, the young women's presidency back when we were still going to church. And so she took in the poster that she had made. And one of the girls was reading the poster and she said, so you want to skinny dip in the ocean? That was one of her goals. <laughs> and like the whole class just erupted, but like, yeah, like my wife wants to skinny dip in the ocean. And that's just, you know, something that, speaks to her heart, speaks to her soul. Mm. Hmm. So kind of thinking about that, like, yeah, our goals are still, are still intact. Mm -hmm. And Andrew, I think one of the most powerful conversations, the most powerful conversations that we have when we still have them kind of, kind of regularly is like, okay, what's our two, five and 10 year plan at this point. And it really kind of gets us committed to ourselves and the plan. Hmm. And and kind of like lays out what we need to do in the short term to um, to achieve those plans and those goals. Hmm. Yeah. So any thoughts at this point? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, in, in the church, like we've talked about, you have this whole roadmap made for you. And there are certain, you know, timeframes in which to do it, Right. Uh, as a as a guy, I remember having the pressure to go on a mission. Fortunately, I never did. Best decision I ever made. And but I knew like the time frame for that goal was like until I was twenty five or whatever it is when you know that's when you can leave up to. Then there's the the goal of marriage, and there's the whole if you're not married by twenty three or whatever, you're menaced society. You know. Um, there's all these time frames and these certain things that you have to do because in the normal world, eight years old, oh, you turned eight. <laughs> cool. Congratulations. But in Mormonism, that's like the date. And then there's 12 and there's 14. And there's all these, you know, exciting times and moments and milestones. And then when you leave, you kind of have to figure out what your own milestones are. And, and I know I've had to do a lot of, I guess, rejigging of my own life and my own perspective and, and what I think matters to me um, and, and what I'm going to do in order to fill my life with meaning. Mm 
if that makes sense. I've never been a huge goal setter, but just like the daily things that fill my life with meaning. What do I want to do? Who do I want to be? How do I want to do it? And um, yeah, considering those things, those are my those are my immediate thoughts right now. I've had. May I may I act here? Uh, I'll turn the time over back to the bishop now. Yeah, I've. I've had an interesting relationship with goal setting where it's like, if there's something I want to do, then I'll go out and like make the plan and get it done. But if somebody, whenever I'd have those lessons at church about like goal setting and setting goals, I go out and I'd write a list of things and they'd be things that I didn't even know if I wanted to do, but I felt like I should do. And I'd write down other things that were probably just like not achievable but because it was like, I have to set a goal and it has to be really hard. So I, it's like, if I just focus on the things I actually want to do, I go through a goal setting process and work towards it. Mm-hmm. But if whenever I've been in those situations where it's like, write down your life plan and write down your thing, then I just like go through this useless exercise that kind of just cranks me up even more. And does that make sense? <laughs> so I've had this interesting relationship with goals where it's like, if somebody tells me to set a goal, I write down a bunch of stupid things that I don't actually care about. But if I just mm. let life go, I will find certain things that I want or places I want to get to. And I will kind of, without consciously writing things down, and sometimes I write things down if I need to make like a checklist or put things into a calendar, I'll do it. But it's like, I don't, I'm setting goals, but I'm not like, sitting down being like, I'm doing my, here's my goal setting day for the year. And I'm going to follow up with myself once a month kind right. of thing. Like I did the, I did the grand Fondo Whistler twice. So that's 120 K basically uphill the whole way from Stanley park in Vancouver up to Whistler on a, by bike. I did that twice because I wanted to, and I get out a training plan and I get out a calendar and I'm tracking my kilometers every week and all those things. But I didn't sit down and say, what are my goals for this year? I think I want to do this thing. I, how do am I going to get, I was just like, I want to do this thing. How do I get there? Hmm. I think you know what I mean? And I did it cause I wanted to do it. Yeah. I don't know. And I, I think that's a big difference between like setting the goal, setting goals after you've left the church versus setting the goals in the church, in the church, the structure is kind of given to you and it's kind of assigned mm-hmm. to you. And you know, you get the little, the little thing that you mark off each day that you've read the book of Mormon, mark off the books of the book of mormon that you've read so far and then when when you leave then there's you know you you just kind of your your goals aren't pushed on you anymore as like you need to do this you're supposed to do this when you leave you you get a little bit more freedom to say oh i want to do this and then you end up setting a goal you know making a plan to do it figuring out how you're going to do it and then ultimately ultimately accomplishing it because it's something that you really actually wanted to do. Like um, something I'm working on right now is learning Swedish. And so how am I doing that? Well, I practice every single day to learn Swedish, right? And and I say, okay, next year I'm going to Sweden. I'm going to spend some time there and hopefully get some real world experience using it, right? And I'm doing that because I, I want to do it not because I got called on a mission to to go to Sweden and now I have to kind of slog through this thing. It, it's a goal that I want to do. It's a self-directed life choice. 
So my question is, I like the example about learning Swedish and, and riding your bike to Whistler. Why do we set goals? And I'm like, have you heard the, like the five why? So let, like, okay, why, why do we set goals? Oh, I was waiting for the second why. Um, or does that come why? after? So, so Bishop, <laughs> Elder Jackson, why do you want to learn Swedish? Because uh, I'm interested in languages in general, and I feel like I would enjoy uh, Sweden. That's one of the places, if I moved out of Canada, I, I think that would be a, a place I would consider living. That's cool. Why? I think it sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you yeah. actually jumped past the whys with your answer. Like it was a really good, it was a really good answer. But like some, like for example, like I, I want to lose twenty pounds. Like why? Because right. I'm fat. Why? Um, because I think my wife would like like me better. Right. Why? And the intent is to like really get down to, you know, are you going to be happier once you've hit the goal? Because hmm. if you are, you've given your happiness the power to be happy to that goal and to that you know, future self. Hmm. And so you've kind of sucked out the ability to be happy now. Hmm. And, and that's, and I'm not saying that you're not happy now, Elder Jackson. Like In fact, not I'm miserable. <laughs> and learning Swedish will make me happy. <laughs> no, it won't. Unfortunately, it won't. <laughs> what? But, and, and that's, and that's, I think that's the issue with the church. Like, you know, it's at, like going back and reading some of my journal entries from the YSA, like, there was this like reading between the lines, like I'm going to be so happy when I'm married. I'm going to be so mm -hmm. happy when I find the girl that I'm going to be with. But that's mm -hmm. not the case. I was the same old, you know, Counselor Davis when I tied the knot. And so when setting goals, I think we need to be careful about what the intention is of those goals. Because in the church, like those goals were set and like it would, it was assumed. I don't know, like, yeah, just think about all those like, talks from bishops and state presidents and and whoever just you know there was this idea that you're not happy now as a YSA and you can never be happy as a YSA because your real plan in this thing is to get married and so I think we really missed a lot of the really cool fantastic experiences that we could have had in the YSA mm -hmm. if you know because of that expectation and you know i i think even after you're married then there's okay you're not going to be happy unless you're attending the temple every month or your temple worker mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's just like losing that and and so like now that i'm out of the church and kind of kind of understanding you know there's a lot of spiritual people leaders i just finished a book by eckhart toll uh, a new earth and he really talks about how um raising your level of consciousness and being happy here and now, regardless of what you do should be your goal. Hmm. Um, because the past is the past and you can get caught up on, caught up on like the negative and positive things in your life. And they really distract from today. And if we worry too much about the future, about what ifs, then we really miss all that we have, which is, which is right now. Hmm. So I guess, you know, like setting goals, is important, um, obviously, to like move towards better health or things like that. But really digging deep and being introspective and making sure that you're happy now, regardless of what you're achieving. Hmm. I think like one 
interesting goal that you'd mentioned, Mark, that would be interesting for the five wise, sorry, Councillor Davis, is the, um, the memorize a thousand scriptures. Why did your TBM self want to memorize a thousand scriptures? I think to, I think like foremost was to say that I met, I can, I, I've memorized a thousand scriptures and then yeah. to be like, to maybe ward off bad thoughts and I can, you know, cycle through the scriptures, right? maybe right. to like, it was almost like ego, um, like gratifying my ego to be like able to quote scriptures from the pulpit or mm. in a time of need or whatever. But does it bring happiness? I don't know. Does it bring like it was, I think it was an ego thing. Maybe, maybe with the disguise that I would get closer to God that way. Yeah. Because hmm. I think those, like, I remember working myself up into goals like that as a, a missionary. And then quickly, because I think there was like a, a myth that went around that Thomas S. Monson had a, a photographic memory and he developed it by memorizing a scripture every day. Mm-hmm. And if you memorize a scripture every day, you too could be like Thomas Monson and have a photographic memory. And so I'd like write on stick it notes and put it in my planner, the scripture that I was memorizing that day. And I'd be like, oh, I'm memorizing, memorizing. And I'm like, my memory's not getting any better. The only thing I am is like pissed off and grumpy. <laughs> and I'm like reading this thing to myself 400 times a day. Right. And it's not making me better at teaching. So why am I doing, <laughs> why am I doing this rote memorization process that is just driving me insane? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I think having having those whys figured out behind your goals um, is is a big thing because yeah, a lot of the time in the church it ends up being like growing up I wanted to go on a mission and and why why would I want to go on a mission? Well, because that's that's going to please my family. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's going to that's going to get me a wife. If I don't go on a mission, no girl is gonna want to be with me. And then that was a big, big in, encouragement for going on a mission. Um, same thing, uh, going to the temple, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. And so considering the whys behind your goals, I think it also uh, uncovers a lot of the actual true motivations for you when, when you're uncovering those whys, because I had... I don't know. I, it, you find out the the goals with good reasons behind them, and the goals with bad reasons behind them, and then hopefully, then you can focus on the ones with the good reasons. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, Bishop, go ahead. I'll, I'll I will allow that. You'll defer. You'll defer. <laughs> okay. I remember, like, just while you're mentioning the five whys about going on a mission, I can think about the whys for why I went on a mission. One was definitely to get the social status to make getting married easier because I thought marriage was the most important thing. The other one was, was that I thought, based on what other people had told me about how they go on their mission and they're selfish and then they spend two years learning how to be truly selfless and sacrifice and learn how to love other people more than themselves, I was like... I'm going to go on a mission to gain that kind of personal growth of learning to be selfless. The question I never asked myself was, how am I going to achieve that by going on a mission? Hmm. And I think if I'd asked myself, like, how am I going to achieve that by going on a mission? I either would have found out I could do it another way, or I would have, it would have added some purpose to what I was doing daily on a mission. Hmm. But I just thought that by going by virtue of going on a mission, 
leaving everything behind, living this kind of life of poverty and getting rejected every day that magically I was going to become a different person who was selfless and, and cared about other people. Magic happened. Yeah. Magically. I, right. Like I thought it would just come by magic. I think I had, like I had some great learning experiences. Like I had a companion who is, you know, going through, I didn't realize it was a depression, but he was definitely having a depressive episode and he was getting really, really like, he was just really, really difficult to deal with. And I didn't know what else to do. So I would just do like service for him every day and like clean up the kitchen after his breakfast, or I'd make breakfast for him every day and shine his shoes and all those kinds of things. And I really grew to love this person a lot and, and care about him a lot by forgetting my own, how he was making my life difficult and just focusing on making his life easier. And that's something that's kind of stuck with me since the mission. But I think I could have had more experiences like that if I really thought like, how is the mission going to make me a more selfless person instead of just thinking by going on a mission, I'm magically going to become better at everything in life because yeah. all these guys come home and talk about how they magically became better at life by going on a mission, including you counselor Davis, because I saw your farewell and your homecoming talk. <laughs> you, you were one of those people who led me down the path of a <laughs> mission would be a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Setting a well, good example. You know, <clears throat> thanks. So one thing that's interesting, you know, with your, with your um, companion that was um, in a depressive episode, I remember, you know, I've been to maybe a handful of uh, temple ceilings and uh, whether or not it's solicited, the sealer feels like there needs to be like marriage advice, you know, imparted to the new couple. And most of the advice is terrible. And I know it's mm -hmm. like loving and like it's it's a like it's a nice moment. But I remember I went to a friend's wedding and the sealer afterwards said, you know, now so and so, it is your job to make your wife happy. And I was like, in the moment, I was like, yeah, yeah, like that's that's my job. Like my goal is to keep my wife happy. We, I can't keep my wife happy. She's going to mm -hmm. do her own shit regardless of what I do. And like with your companion, his depressive state is going to stay depressive regardless of what you do. It's something that you, they have to do themselves. But what that sealer should have said is you need to create a relationship, an environment where your wife has the space to be happy herself. Hmm. And that like really like that has really changed the way that I work with my wife. Like I, you know, I can't make her happy by, making her breakfast in bed. She hates breakfast in bed. No toast in the bed. Um, I can respect but, that. Yep. Crumbs but, everywhere. You man. know, but I working towards like, if she wants to go back to school, like picking mm -hmm. a career that allows me that flexibility so she can grow as a person. Um, and that's like, well, I have to work. I'm the man. You got to figure out how to be happy. You know, you can, you, you can do whatever you want, but like, yeah, just, yeah, figuring out relationships are, are difficult and we go about them the wrong way in the church, in my opinion, in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. And speaking of dumb things uh, temple sealers say, we moved into the ward that our temple sealer was in. And I remember going to see him and being like, hey, brother, so-and-so, so great to see you. Great being in the ward with you, blah, blah, blah. And he looks at me and he says, I'm sorry, I don't think I know who you are. <laughs> And I was like, you, you married me. 
he's like, I did? Who who are you? And and who did you marry? Like, okay, all right. Yeah. Can tell that this was a real big day for you. Thanks. Thanks. Right. Glad the spirit's bringing this to your remembrance. Maybe that was a shelf item. <laughs> well, and you probably like whatever he said was like probably so profound because he knew you and he was in touch and like had this mm-hmm. connection with you. But it's yep. just another day of sealing. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's like a patriarch has a selected list of phrases that they go to and like, yeah. And that's, I don't know. Oh, can I tell a crazy patriarchal blessing story too? Uh, of course. Yeah. Can I? I will allow it. You know, thank you. I remember. So one thing that my patriarchal blessing said was, you will find a choice daughter in Israel. I remember I went out with this girl and she was just blabbing about her patriarchal blessing. And she said, yeah, my patriarchal blessing talks about how I'm a choice daughter in Israel. And I was like, oh shit. I'm not even like crazy about this person, but oh my gosh, like this is it. And I've got to figure out. And I went home and I talked to my parents and I was like, mom, dad, like the weirdest thing happened. And I don't know what to think about it. And they were like, well, where'd she get her patriarchal blessing? I'm like, pretty sure from the same guy who gave me mine. They're like, oh yeah. Same patriarchs always use the same phrases. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, you mean this was just made, made up? Like you guys don't (laughs) like, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be divinely inspired, but now you guys are like telling me it's not really, but at the same time you believe it is completely. Like that was a weird yeah. thing for me. Yeah. Pa- patriarchal blessings are like Santa Claus in the Mormon church. The adults are kind of like, eh, it's a cute thing. <laughs> and like the kids, when they get there, they're like, oh man, this is the most incredible thing. And the parents are like, yeah, mine says basically the same stuff. Good career, happy family, shared the gospel. Oh, you're, you're from Ephraim? Hmm, cool. <laughs> Right. <laughs> like I, they're all like, uh, I remember there's this other, there's this girl in our, our youth in young men's and young women's with me. And she uh, brought her boyfriend to church. He ended up joining the church. And then she get up and bear testimony about how her patriarchal blessing said that she would bring her husband into the church. And I'm like, we're all like, Oh my gosh. Like, I can't believe it. they're divorced now. And neither of them are in the church, but I mean, regardless, was, I remember that happening. Yeah. And then I'm going to get my patriarchal blessing. And I'm talking to my parents. I'm like, can you believe the crazy thing that happened to so-and-so and blah, blah, blah. And do you think my, I'll have a thing? My parents are like, no, don't expect it to be cut and dry like that. That's really like, a, maybe she's reading too much into it. Don't take this thing too seriously. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. Um, Sorry but, for the, I apologize for the divergence. Well, I, I, th- I think it kind of fits though. Because I mean, patriarchal blessings are something that we base a lot of our goals off of right? It's yeah. it's something that we say, okay, well, my patriarchal blessing says this, so I better do X and Y. And, and yeah, and, and so that, that happens all the time. That's just another way that the church structure just kind of sets you up um, for like a lack of your own guidance as an individual human being, right? And instead of um, instead of really lending you your agency to make your own choices, it, it kind of just sets you up for that path that's laid out for you, uh, and that you're that you're expected 
to to follow. Uh, Councilor Davis, where do you where do you want to take us from here? Well, I just you know riffing off what you uh, just said. Um, so unpacking recently my transition out of Mormonism, um, I really had to get deep and like figure out why I was on the verge of like a midlife crisis beginning of the year. Um, some, you both know that I was on the verge of selling my online CPA firm. You know, I'm a CPA because of a few reasons. Uh, my dad's a CPA and I thought that that was a good noble thing to do as a Mormon boy. And so when I finally made this connection that I'm in this career because of the expectations that were around me, you know, mid university heading into, um, you know, marriage and that kind of that, that switch flipped in terms of, you know, when I left the church, my relationship with my wife pivoted the way that I raised my kids pivoted the way that I look at life pivoted, but my occupation didn't. And I really felt like I didn't make the decisions to be in the career that I was in. And now once that, once that was kind of brought to light and I was like, yes, that's exactly it. Like, I feel like I've been living out of my suitcase occupationally in my mind for the last 10 years. Hmm. It really kind of empowered me again to be like, Hey, you know what? You hate your job because you didn't pick it. Hmm. You know, the Mormon Mark uh, the Mormon counselor Davis and your dad, um, your dad was very influential in, in the way that you, you know, you picked a career. He was n- never like overt by any means with like, you have to do this, but like, you know, men in the church are dependable. They are the breadwinner. They are the leader in the home. They are all these things. And so I felt like I needed to follow that path. And so now um, I sold my accounting firm, uh, it, you know, it closed last week. I am, I cannot practice public accounting for the next three years as per my non-compete, um, clause in my contract. Like it's, it's been really, um, like enlivening in my life to be like, not, not to be able to continue on this career that I didn't, didn't pick. Um, and so I, I think, you know, as we, leave the church and leave all these milestones. I think there are still some expectations that linger in all of us. Um, like elder Jackson, you're what? 20, 25 now. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you like, you are in like a fantastic, I wish somebody had told me when I was 25 years old to be like, you are in an incredible time of your life. You have no obligations. You have all the world in front of you. You just have so much opportunity like just dive in, fail a bunch, learn what you like and just like really enjoy life. Mm-hmm. When I was 25, I was so hung up on getting married. I was so hung up on like starting my career. And now, you know, 13 years later, I was like, man, I wish I just done things a little bit different mm-hmm. and like gave myself the opportunity to fail. And, and just, you know, there's a lot of LDS guys that go into business and I don't know why, but there's not a lot of LDS guys that go into social work because hmm. um, I don't think that that, that is a, a reputable LDS career. Well, the um, church is like directly opposed to social work and psychologists. Like even like Boyd K. Packer talked about like the great enemies of the church being intellectuals, feminists, and psychologists, 
right? And I know social work isn't exactly psychology, but it kind of has some overlap where it's this thing that helps people. Some of the things you tell people to do that will help them is contrary to what the church tells them to do. Mm-hmm. In some ways, it supplants a lot of the work that the church does, and it does it more effectively. So that's why nobody... <laughs> and why do they go into business? Because business... I Sorry, if you don't mind me going off on this. No, go ahead. Go. I will allow if, it. If you If you go into the sciences you're going to run into things that contradict the church, mm-hmm. right? If you become a lawyer or you go into business, you're dealing with things that are made up. Laws are made up. Hmm. Business practices are made up. It's all made up. It's not real. It's not grounded in reality. It's only real because we say it is. So I can become a lawyer. I can become an accountant. And I've got a structured rule-based thing, but it is never going to come in conflict with my faith. Because it's just another thing that people made up and I can make a lot of money at it or a decent amount of money at it. And I need to make a lot of money because I need to have 25 kids and I need to live in a nice subdivision. Amen. Yeah. No, I, right. I that's the meaning of life. Like I remember when I, in the nineties, when I was in young men's, all my young men's leaders were like going to law school, law school. Everybody was going to law school in the nineties. Now the law market has become so oversaturated, but guess what all Mormons are doing now? They're all becoming CPAs. Talk to any return missionary. What are you studying in school? Accounting? It's like, you're a freaking dumb jock. Like, what <laughs> interest do you have in accounting? Why aren't you doing sales? No, you're going to become a CPA. Because I know 25 CPAs, they all make over hundred grand a year, and I'm just going to be a CPA because I got to raise 25 kids and live in a nice subdivision. And accounting's now, and accounting is an unsaturated labor market, but it is quickly going to become oversaturated with Mormons, just like how law did because they see it as this quick uh, kind of shortcut to the upper middle class, which it is, but it's not when the labor market becomes oversaturated, right? That's why you got like ambulance chasers and all these kinds of uh, <laughs> shyster lawyers is because it's like, I got to drum up business somehow. Let's just conjure up a bunch of frivolous lawsuits because the labor market's oversaturated. <laughs> you make Soon- a good profit <laughs> Bishop. <laughs> Just kind of, kind of, kind of saying things like this is, this is how the world works. And I don't know. Because well, like, I'm a CPA too. And why am I a CPA? For 99% of the reasons that Counselor Davis is. Other than like my dad wasn't a CPA. And I think that's the only reason we have that is not in con. But otherwise it's like, it's this thing that I can do that won't call my testimony into question. And I can make a bunch of money at it to raise the millions of kids I need to have. I think I think I'm gonna have to become a CPA now. Since you know, my don't my my only my only two friends are CPAs. You left the church. (laughs) See, exact. All your Mormon friends are CPAs now. No, I was saying all my only two friends. You and uh, oh, your only two friends. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. My brother-in-law is also a CPA, so I guess everybody everybody I know is a is a CPA. but yeah, it's, I don't know, it's interesting when, when you take that away, uh, when you, ironically, uh, the church is all about agency, but then when you get out of the church, that's when you really start to have your agency and start to get to live your life how, how you really see fit. Um, do we have any more, any more thoughts on this, Counselor Davis and Bishop Jensen? What else did we want to touch on with goal setting? 
I guess I, I bear my testimony that, um, no, that's sacrilegious. <laughs> oh, we're, you just wait till you hear, uh, the episode we've got coming up. Um, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not we're, out yet, but I think it's like going to be, oh yeah, it's going to be last week's episode. Last week's episode in, in air quotes, cause it's not out yet. Last week's episode. That is, uh. That is very sacrilegious. But luckily yeah. at the end of that episode, we promised a less sacrilegious episode. <laughs> and I think that's what this has been. So uh, bear your testimony away, uh, Counselor Davis. Thank you. Is there, any, is there anything Bishop? else you want to get into on goal setting? No, I, you know, ultimately I, I like the idea that our, our number one goal should would should be like to raise our level of consciousness and our presentness right, right now. Hmm. Um, you know, in just the last three or four months, that's been my intent, lots of reading, lots of meditation, contemplation, journaling. And as I've like been able to kind of get out of this, the stream of consciousness and like start looking at things a little bit differently, like honestly, like things have changed significantly for me. Um, like my relationship with my, my wife is better. I don't yell at my kids anymore. I'm not a grumpy dad, which was definitely something that I got from my dad that he got from his dad. And I've really kind of broken this cycle of like these default mindsets that I get into depending on the circumstance and having more control over, over my thoughts. And, and I feel like my goals are kind of like the cream's kind of coming to the top in terms of like what we want out of life. And they're not so much goals as in like, it's going to take five years to get there and I'm going to be unhappy until I get there. But it's more like, these are the ideals that we want and we're going to put things in motion, but not disregard how happy we can be in the present. Hmm. I've done that through the use of marijuana. <laughs> that has helped me become father of the year. <laughs> <laughs> we we do family movie night every friday and it's all i'm like i'm like i just at the end of a work week i'm like i don't have the patience to watch a kid's movie with my kids i'm just like but this last friday i took a edible around dinner time and then by the time the movie started it started kicking in and, and finding when, dory was amazing it was the whole thing was amazing and then me and my son are like making these jokes about the movie and everything he's saying is hilarious. And I'm laughing so hard and he's laughing so hard. And we're making all these jokes. And it's like the best night we've ever had together. And I was I was just 100% in the moment. And it kind of like it brought me down to be like a kid. I felt like a kid. Yeah. And I could just be there watching the movie with my kids. And the next morning, even though I wasn't high, I still kind of felt like I was in that state of mind. And I was just being a kid and just being in the moment and just having fun playing the silly games they make up that don't have a lot of rules or structures or the rules change halfway through, which like infuriates me and makes me really, really frustrated. But I was just kind of learning to think and be like a kid. So what you're talking about with kind of being present with what you're doing and who you're with, I can, I can totally agree with that hmm. through the use of marijuana. Through the use of marijuana. No, I, I agree. Like I've, I've used marijuana to like be present and stuff, 
but it, it's, but again, you're kind of leaving that presentness, that happiness up to something external. And, mm. you know, that's why some people smoke every day, which is, that, yeah. But I don't, I don't know. I just, no, I agree with you. I like, I agree with that statement hundred percent that you give up, give it up to the substance. I'd say what I'm learning is it's kind of like when I'm under the influence, it gets me into a state of mind. And then it's kind of like, okay, can I just get into that state of mind yeah, without, yeah. without the thing, right? And, and having the drug for the extra boost is great, but then just also being like, okay, I was in this state of mind where I was just present and relaxed and enjoying everything. I'm just going to kind of try and relax right now because, you know, it's 10 in the morning and I can't just start taking gummies right now. Like I've got th- other things to do, right? <laughs> But I'd say like, it's kind of been a, I know people talk about that with psychedelics as like a, a therapeutic thing. Right. I, and I haven't tried psychedelics, but I think as you open your mind up to other things, you can see how some of these things might become therapeutic instead of just a vice. Hmm. Well, and, and there, there is research, like there's a company called field trip. They use ketamine to like unblock, you know, things that you don't know are there that restrict like presentness. And right. I think, yeah, marijuana does that temporarily to like kind of get that energy flowing present and you know, be flowing more constantly. So, yeah, I think that's, I think that's not, I can, and uh, it's a worthy goal. This to be present. We can just start calling this the pot podcast. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. The podcast. I actually, I actually, ha- I actually had too much last night, and it was a little hairy. Um, <laughs> but Man. we were watching Ted Lasso, a fantastic show, and it was so funny. But it wasn't really. <laughs> but it was so funny. Well, um, yeah, I, I just felt left out for a little bit there. Um, just... <laughs> there's like, there's a dispensary on in every strip mall and at the grocery store in Calgary. Like, join the club. <laughs> Getting high Come just doesn't... with our secret words. It just doesn't really appeal to me. Like, I, I'm not interested in it. It's it's like me and roller coasters. I wasn't I, I wasn't either. I, I don't care for roller Nor coasters Nor was I. I just... Uh, eh. Maybe someday I'll try it. That's fine. <laughs> I might do a winery okay. tour next month and try alcohol then. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> so, goal setting marijuana and patriarchal blessings <laughs> if we had to s- please make that the title of the episode okay okay i'll uh i'll, I'll do that it, it was going to be setting goals post-mormonism but you know what uh what is this goal setting goal setting marijuana and patriarchal blessings marijuana hashtag t- <laughs> hashtag podcast no, <laughs> hashtag goal goals. Because, <laughs> you know, like team goals. Anyways, never mind. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'll leave that one out. That was a valiant effort, though, Counselor Davis. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for allowing me to be here with uh, on this fifth. Uh, hey, week, you know what? The state president called war. and told us we had to do it. So like, we didn't have a choice. This is a top-down organization. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, well, thank you again, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just I'll end with uh, um, 
Yeah. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. amen.